and welcome to the Women in Sport podcast brought to you by CSM Live. This is episode 10 of the podcast, so we're now in double figures, which is really exciting. And I hope everyone enjoyed the Sporting Role Models podcast we did a couple of weeks ago with the team. Um, Today, I'm joined by two people who have their own experiences and expertise talking about a very important topic which is body image. I'm joined, uh, once again, I'm under my duvet, but I'm joined from afar by our patron, Becky Addington, and Emily Matheson from the Centre for Appearance Research. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Um, thanks so much for joining us. And it's actually, now we're all, uh, we're all on lockdown, it's actually easier to record podcasts more than ever because I don't need to try and get everyone to the same place uh, in London. So, um, firstly, uh, Becky, I want to start. I want to start with you, um, and um, obviously, your experience has often been in the public eye. Um, and so, I really want you to tell us about the journey you've had with your body image and what a pod- positive body image means to you. Yeah, I think um, everyone has their own body image journey because you change so much over your lifetime of course you do and for me obviously being a swimmer um it was something that definitely was the forefront especially during my teenage years um you don't think about it when you're younger or when you're little it's just kind of like even i look back now on photos mostly when i was about four or five i was just naked the whole time i'm like mom why didn't i ever have clothes on when i look back at like old photos that my mom and dad show me but obviously as you get older that definitely changes and uh it was one of those for me i hit um puberty very early i started my period very young by the time i was like 10 or 11 i was on my period so my body changed very very quickly much earlier than some of my peers and everyone that I was at school with. Um, luckily at swimming, I was always around older swimmers. Um, so I was very much used to that. I've got older siblings as well. So I kind of found that transition okay because I was constantly around older people and it was just became the norm. But it definitely through those years of swimming, there's times where you're like, all you want to do is cover up and all those times that you just like, I don't want to wear a swimming costume. And I went through a really tough stage with swimming, but slowly as my swimming career progressed i soon became to I, I started to look at the body as my tool as my power rather than um something that was just critical or from a beauty perspective for me i'd look at somebody and think wow they're strong they're in shape and i i started to really appreciate all of the human body could do and i, I could push myself to the limit and I might have bigger shoulders than everyone else, but they gave me four Olympic medals. So I certainly can't knock them. And it really changed during kind of like my later teenage years. Um, And then I retired from swimming at 23 and it was one of those, my my body took a total change again. Um, I put on a lot of weight after swimming and it was one of those, okay, I really had to adapt because my body wasn't the same um, as when I swam. I started to get lumps and bumps and things wobbled a lot more. And then I got pregnant and going through having a baby, etc. really, um, again, totally changed my perspective once again. And through trolling, um, most of my public eye appearance, it, whatever you want to call it, spotlight, I don't know they're quite the words, but... Um, has all been negative on my appearance and my body image. And that's something that um, 
still to this day I struggle with, but just from more of a sense of why do people feel the need to comment? It's one of those that we all have bodies, no one's perfect, and we need to start embracing what our normal is. Um, and now I'm at the stage in my life where I'm like, you know what? This is just my body. I don't edit photos. I've kind of gone totally the other way. I want to try and be a good role model for my daughter. I try and stay active, cook with her and work out with her, do all those sorts of things. But I certainly don't want to portray a false image out there either. So I won't edit or airbrush things. I just think, you know what, we need to start seeing more real bodies, then we might be more accepting of them. Um, and it's certainly taken me a long time. I still can't say even now at 31 that I'm that comfortable putting a costume on and strutting around a poolside. I think most people think I am and I'm really not, but it's one of those that I think uh, I've seen what the human body can do and how incredible it is and how we need to start appreciating our bodies a lot more um, and just wanting to be a good role model to my daughter really. But it's a very long story and I hope I've done that quite quick. <laughs> no, and it's it's definitely something... I mean, I'm a terrible, honestly, terrible, terrible swimmer. But from my school experience, I'm still scarred going to a mixed school of that swimming pool experience, putting a costume on um, in front of, you know, teenage boys. And like that, that put me off the sport, I think, a lot. So I can, like, it's, it, I think swimming is really kind of something that re really brings out the worst in that. Um, I just wanted to ask, does these experiences as well, you, you talked about the, the kind of the press and the trolling, has that really influenced what you've decided to do uh, in your kind of post-sports career, in your, in your career choices as well? Yeah, um, and I, I agree. Swimming is definitely one of those um, where there's been loads of research done on swimming to your first point of because actually a lot of people are put off, um, whether that's from a teenage perspective, whether that's people taking their kids because of the body image. And it's purely that. It's purely because people are so put off by putting a costume on. Um, and then you go and you soon realize no one's looking at you and it's fine. But it, it definitely takes that um, confidence and that initial kind of, okay, I can do this mentality, but that's a very difficult thing to overcome um, and don't take it lightly, certainly. And um, from a public eye perspective, um, it's one of those that it's totally influenced my life altogether. It's, it's influenced the way I think, the way I am. Um, I put an outfit on and I go, my first reaction is, oh, what will, they say, what will people say about me in this outfit? Instead of thinking about my own judgment and whether I like it I think oh gosh will I get cold fat in this will I get like slated for wearing this and it, it goes through your whole mentality that now it's become second nature to me I don't even realize I'm doing it um and it's taken a, a lot of conversations whether that's me going to therapy myself or with people or friends or talking on podcasts like this make me realize the way I go through my choices in my head whether that's work or going to an event or anything like that my mentality is very different because of my experiences but yeah certainly with from a work perspective um it definitely if I get asked to do something well I need the full information and if I'm not comfortable doing something I wouldn't do it um I've turned down a number of things because I'm like you know what that's just not for me um and certainly I want to try and show that a real aspect rather than if something's going to be heavily airbrushed or if something's going to be, 
made out to be in a different way or anything like that that could be construed I, I've I have turned it down from a work perspective because that's just the way I want to be um and I think it took me having a daughter to be that way if that makes sense yeah and Emily I just want to bring you in from from an academic perspective we all talk about body image as our own experiences but what is it actually and what how does it impact our our brain and our psychology Absolutely. It's, it's really interesting because hearing uh, Becky's story, it mirrors the same description as of so many young girls and women. And I think that's what's really important to recognise is it is a universal experience. And whilst we might have our own unique stories to tell, there are so many overlaps. Um, I guess from an academic perspective, the way uh, we always describe body image is that it relates to the way that we think, feel and behave towards our bodies. Or in other words, it's how we evaluate our physical self and its capabilities. And I guess the sad thing is, is that whilst we can have positive and negative um, perceptions of our body, what our research always shows is that a majority of girls and women are dissatisfied with one or more aspects of their body. And sadly, this, this pattern of results is also emerging amongst uh, young men and older men. And it's now described as a norm, normative discontent within the wider general public and it is experiences of you know the media and the portrayal of beauty that they constantly perpetuate to us which is a very narrow standard um i'm sure you guys can look on social media or look at an advertising campaign and it's the similar type of person that we see time and time again and that is a thin white female or a muscular white man and and that's what we're constantly told is beautiful and in order to look that way uh, we need to undergo a lot of dieting and um, exercise in order to achieve that appearance and once we achieve it we're told by the media that we will be happy will be successful uh, and unfortunately this is not the case even once people reach a certain weight or a certain appearance that they've been striving to achieve they're still body dissatisfied and it doesn't actually solve the problem by losing those extra few, you know, five kilos or something like that. So we find ourselves in this really um, vicious cycle of aspiring to look a certain way uh, that the media tells us we should look like and we diet and we exercise and we diet and we exercise and we keep checking our bodies to make sure it's, it's meeting this certain appearance. And unfortunately, it's sometimes really hard hard to, to get out of and I just I love hearing Becky talk about being a role model and really trying to disrupt uh, that uh, the platforms whether it's social media or whether it's in her everyday conversations with her daughter or her friends uh, setting a different standard for beauty is what we really need to see but also taking the the focus away from beauty uh, unfortunately time and time and what we see with especially with female athletes is there's little attention placed on their actual performance. It's more about uh, that how they appear in their uniforms, or you know who are the fashion companies that they're endorsing, or you know who are they dating. Uh, and you know we see this whether that's in uh, the interviews that they have post games or in commentary and this just constantly feeds into the gender stereotypes of, of females and why you know there is such a distorted perspective um, so yeah it, it is a vicious cycle 
cycle, but I just always am, you know, hoping to see people in a public profile uh, use those platforms to really spread the message for body image that unfortunately as researchers ourselves we don't always get to shine that light uh, on a really important topic i wanted to kind of just ask um how do we see these things manifest in a sporting context so Mm. how do they then become a barrier for girls when it's you know in terms of participation absolutely so Firstly, it's looking at the athletic ideal. So what is the image of an athlete that's often uh, shown within the media? And again, it is uh, similar to the general appearance ideal that's perpetuated, but on a more extreme scale. So athletes these days are perceived to be thin, but toned in all the right places. So they have very toned arms and legs, a six pack, uh, a large butt sometimes. Um, and again, this athletic appeal is uh, is very much promoted within social media. So within the Fitspiration uh, movement, And so that's at a more societal level. But then when we look at the various uh, kind of areas, whether it's school-based environments, community-based environments, um, we often find that, unfortunately, girls and boys as well are pigeonholed into one of two groups. That's either you're sporty or you're not sporty. And unfortunately, what this... uh, it, it leads to this hyper-professionalization of, of sports, particularly school sports. So children are pigeonholed into being sporty, not sporty, and this dictates their attitudes and their experience of sports at a very early age. And so you can imagine in these very informative years where they're told, you know, you don't really meet the standard to either excel or perform in a certain sport, If they feel like they're not welcomed in an environment, of course, they're going to avoid it and they're going to develop quite negative attitudes. And what we find is that those negative attitudes carry on into uh, early adulthood and later into adult uh, life. And they can be really hard attitudes to change. Um, And again, when we see these attitudes formed early on, and then also society is saying, this is the way you need to look in order to you know, enjoy or excel in sport, um, it's it's no wonder that it can be quite polarising and why we see such a large portion of girls disengage uh, from sport. And we just recently uh, had a WHO, a World Health Organisation, uh, put out a report that shows that a staggering, like, a, a roughly 85% of girls across the world aren't meeting uh, the recommended daily exercise guidelines. And although that report didn't discuss body image as a barrier, there's a lot of research that shows that body image concerns are a, a, a key um, issue for young people and, and why they stop or why they you know, compl- don't even begin to try and attempt sport. So that can be things like appearance anxiety, so fear of being negatively judged uh, for how they look when they're engaging in sport. It could be appearance teasing, and and this is quite terrifying how common this is for for young people, particularly with, you know, subtle or explicit negative comments about how they look, uh, both from friends and family. Um, We also see weight bias and body shaming. And Becky alluded to this before, you know, trolling uh, on social media where people are, uh, you know, just very explicitly, uh, 
you know, commenting on your appearance and, and how you look uh, negative or, you know, whether it's your weight um, or how you might look in a certain outfit. Uh, we also think about the comfortability of, of young girls in sporting outfits. Uh, unfortunately, there is an, uh, a limited and unrepresentation of sporting sizes. And sometimes it can be as simple as a girl feels uncomfortable in sportswear because it doesn't fit her properly. And so, you know, understandably, her attention is focused on uh, how she feels and looks in this, you know, ill-fitting um sportswear or uniform when she should be focused on how she's you know performing and how she's engaging in a sport so there are there's a laundry list of the reasons why young girls disengage from sport and unfortunately some of these can be easily addressed you know uniform kits making sporting environments more inclusive uh, reducing labels of being a sporty kid or not a sporty kid. Um, and really those level, those issues need to be addressed at the grassroots levels and all the way up to a societal level. And Becky, did you, did, did that ever affect the way you saw the sport and your participation? Did it ever sort of that, that focus on, on your body, did it make you think differently about sport? Um, not so much, but I think that's due to you getting to swimming at such a young age. I mean, you learn to swim at three and you join a club at eight. So you're so young when it happens that for me, I didn't ever consider body, body image at those ages. Um, it was never something that I even noticed. Um, so I think it's probably different for other sports where you get into them much, much later. Um, whereas with swimming it is a mixed sport um and it's mixed from the day you go to your lessons um and then joining a club and you're around mixed people all the time of mixed abilities um we train a lot with disability athletes as well so swimming's very mixed in that sense so um it's always just been so open that actually it's never put me off because there's just so many different body shapes types everything in swimming that actually it gives you that kind of it's really versatile that actually just makes everything seem a little bit more normal in swimming. Um, obviously very different if you just go with your school class. Um, that's a very different experience. Like you said earlier, that's just you at school. Whereas because I didn't have that experience, mine was from a club perspective and the, I, my parents took me after school, et cetera, et cetera, that um, it was a very different experience. So luckily never put me off. And Emily, why does that, why does that change happen? I mean, we talk a lot about in, in our work about how at primary school participation in girls can often be quite high and they really enjoy sport and physical activity. And, you know, body image, like Becky said, isn't really on your radar when you're eight years old. So what causes that sudden whirlwind change where we, we really focus on it? Absolutely. So in terms of, I guess, from a, a more curriculum-based perspective and transition from primary school to high school, it is a huge transition in terms of just your workload. So we find that in primary school, the workload isn't as high for the students and there is ease of managing, you know, your regular classes and your PE classes because they're mandatory. So it's, you know, automatically you're, you know, you're needing to participate. But that transition from primary school to high school means that, you know, there's an introduction of a new workload. Sometimes uh, physical education is not mandatory. So students can, you know, simply 
kind of avoid it if they really want to or if they prioritize other aspects um, of school then they can go down that avenue but also in terms of a body image perspective uh, kind of early adolescence is where we see a peak in body image concerns and this is because it's a transition period particularly for young girls, their bodies are changing in a way that uh, is much more noticeable. And, you know, they have a de the development of breasts, development of hips, development of a butt. And, you know, these obvious changes can be quite challenging to come to terms within yourself. And then we're asking them to engage in activities that, you know, they're trying to adapt with this new body and it can sometimes be uncomfortable and challenging. And then when you couple that with, you know, uncomfortable sporting kits, uh, which, you know, accentuate these changes, there is naturally going to be this increase in anxiety, uh, that anxiety where you feel like, the whole class is looking at you and when the reality is everyone else is feeling the same way. So, you know, that concern that I'm the focus of everyone is everyone's attention, but really everyone else is thinking the same thing as us. Um, but yeah, it's this anxiety that then, you know, and the natural reaction is to fight or flight. In the case of body image, it's it's the, the flight. We want to avoid situations where our body is on display uh, and where we might be subject to ridicule. And again, as I noted before, unfortunately, appearance-related teasing is really common. So if we're putting young girls into environments where they already feel anxious and then they are vulnerable to teasing and bullying, it is, you know, it's a recipe for disaster and uh, a recipe for negative body image just to further develop and, and be an issue for them. And how, how do we combat this? I know, obviously, we're relying on some external forces like the media to, to change their habits too. But what can we actively do to make girls feel comfortable and, and make sure that they don't have these fears and worries? Absolutely. It comes down to the environment that we, we create for them to engage in uh, movement, exercise, sport, however term you might want to use. And one thing that Becky really described within her swimming environment was this uh, in, you know, inclusive and diverse environment. People of all different body types, body capabilities are accepted. So firstly, that comes from, you know, whether it's a sporting organisation or a school, we need people uh, within role model positions, such as teachers, coaches, to make sure that they're using and creating environments that don't pigeonhole kids into being either sporty or not sporty. So firstly, really being mindful of the language that we're using to describe individuals. Second, a tricky situation that we find ourselves with, particularly with school sports, is they only use quite traditional sports, uh, so netball, swimming, football, um, and don't necessarily explore other exercises or sports that might be more enjoyable for individuals who don't aspire or don't enjoy those more traditional sports. Uh, so a lot of the research that has been done on positive body image and exercise and sports sees that there is a, a a really lovely relationship between positive body image and embodiment exercises such as yoga, um, dance, so belly dancing, pole dancing. And I know that, you know, pole dancing is not exactly a sport they would be introducing into schools, but sometimes it means looking outside of the box and considering 
alternative approaches to sport that we haven't necessarily thought about and that might be more enticing uh, and more enjoyable for, for young people. So yeah, it's creating an environment that is inclusive, that is dynamic, uh, and that doesn't focus on the body's appearance. It focuses on its capabilities uh, and its functionality. Um, and these are really you know, tangible things that we can start to do, uh, but we need it to start with role models. And by, ro by modeling this behavior, that's when we are gonna create an inclusive environment that's going to attract people who have traditionally been avoiding uh, those environments. And Becky, you mentioned how you want to create a, a positive body image and a positive future for your daughter from your experience at I guess the peak of your of your sporting career have you noticed a change in the media have you noticed a change in the environment are, are you feeling hopeful I guess for her future uh, yes and no I think there's still a long way to go um, I've definitely noticed a change in just kind of a lot more um presence I guess um from women athletes I think 10 years ago there was probably one or two um that you'd see kind of in the press or um in magazines or being used for with brands or etc etc whereas now I think that is a lot different um I think there is so many female athletes out there who are absolutely incredible um so are kind of getting that awareness I guess a little bit more so it isn't just stick thin beautiful models out there I think they are starting to use athletes and showcasing their abilities and things like that which I think is really positive um I think it's one of those that for me I don't understand when I look at a fitness brand why there is a female pop singer on the front uh, being closed by them. I would rather see a female athlete use them. I go, oh, okay, I trust that brand a lot more. So um, for me, it's nice when now companies are starting to use athletes a lot more um, and showcasing that body image a slightly better um, than just something the way you think, oh, I'm not going to eat just to be thin. It's about exercise and kind of that lifestyle. Um, I still think there is a long way to go with social media. Um, I think that is the biggest area that I think definitely needs to change. Um, and with female athletes, I think it is still one of those that it, I see it more from female athletes than I do male athletes in the press. As in, if we went somewhere, if we went to an event, it's a case of, oh, look at her in that outfit. And they're not really they don't then comment on what a male's wearing or kind of how they look. It's, and I'm not saying that men don't feel that. I just think that it is still highlighted and the spotlight is more on the women than it is the men. But I think that's just in general anyway, that it's always a bit like that. Um, and I think there is still that way forward to go and that mentality. And I don't think social media helps with all these apps that you can edit and airbrush and change and, I know so many people and it's so sad. One of my friends gets sent images from one of his friends that's a girl and she goes, oh, can you change these pictures for me? Can you edit them down? Can you remove that bit of fat? Can you remove that lump? Can you do this? And I'm kind of going, stop it. Like that's kind of, it doesn't help. And I know why people do it is because they want to look their best on social media, but then everyone just goes into this downward spiral of see, feeling awful about themselves because it's such it's so unachievable um, and it's not something that's realistic. But actually, everyone just thinks, well, everyone else is doing it. 
so it's kind of like how you change that mentality is a really difficult one and um as Emily was saying there with just the language um I will not talk negatively about my body like even when my daughter comes up to me she goes mummy your tummy looks like there's a baby in there and I'm like thanks there isn't <laughs> and I'm like okay thanks for that summer but at the same time I don't then just turn around to her and go yeah I know I'm fat I, I'm really conscious about how I say those things to her I go yeah I know but it's fine like we all have it it'll any questions that she asks me, I really make sure that I'm saying them in the right way and just kind of trying to use the best language possible um, and letting her know that they are normal. I don't want her to have this unrealistic perception of bodies for her growing up um, and stuff. So I, I think, yeah, it's still got a way to go, but I definitely think it has changed since I was a professional athlete. And what's it been like for you I mean, what does it feel like to almost become someone who is almost like a spokesperson on on this issue? Because you went through everything, you know, on on a, you every everyone saw everything on, on a public level. What what did that feel like? It was really hard at the time. Obviously, it was very very difficult um, because we're all going through it, as we've all said every single person goes through this, but to do it in um, a public way. Um, was even harder because everyone is going through it but most of the time you do it from behind closed doors and you just are able to work through it at your pace in your own way um, whereas doing it in a public manner um, has been very very difficult of course it has especially when I was a lot younger I mean I was 19 in Beijing when I went to my first Olympics and um, kind of got thrust into the spotlight and it was kind of like at 19 then people talking about my appearance and the way I looked and it was nothing to do with my swimming ability and I didn't understand I took it very very personal it, it kind of of course affected me it's very different now I'm 31 I've gone through a, a lot of experience um, and it's kind of I feel totally different on it now but at the time it was very very difficult and so many people say to me how did you cope how did you manage and I'm like there's no set formula you can't just make wave a magic wand it's just about taking your time talking to as many people as possible I think what's really helped me is being so vocal about it and actually talking about it and actually people turning around and being able to relate um when I went on I'm a celebrity had a conversation I was talking about kind of trolling and that and actually I came out of the jungle and it almost felt like I'd been through therapy because I just it was the first time I'd openly discussed what I had been through with other people and they could relate and everyone was going through exactly the same thing and I thought oh hold on this is a breath of, breath of fresh air we can actually talk about this I think so many women we're so like I think we've become like trained to just go oh does this look good or do, do I look all right in this and then you just go yes instead of actually having a conversation I've never sat down with my friends before and said I'm actually really insecure about this and actually this really bothers me and it kind of took a long time to get to that point because I think we hide behind things a lot and we just make jokes or we just back things off whereas I think it's about being brave enough to have those conversations and actually talk to somebody about it. And that's been massively helpful for me, um, whether it's been with friends, family, whoever it is, just being open and honest about it um, has massively helped me overcome those things mentally. Emily, what are, you know, we, we haven't talked that much about 
the Centre for Appearance Research and what they're doing. What is the um, organisation and, and the, the group trying to do to look into it? And also, are you guys finding solutions on how we do battle this? Yeah, so we have over 30 academics uh, who have backgrounds in clinical health and counselling psychology. And there's two overarching goals uh, that underpin our research. So we firstly want to understand the nature, the prevalence and the root causes of appearance-related concerns. So what is the problem that people are experiencing and who's affected by it and why? So as I mentioned previously, what we find is that there are these universal concerns that people have, uh, but they can have specific uh, concerns uh, based on you know, their individual characteristics. For example, young girls or perhaps women with breast cancer or individuals living with a, a visible difference. So firstly, it's understanding the appearance concern. And then the second aim is developing and evaluating evidence-based interventions and strategies. So we want to be able to develop tools that can assist people uh, with their body image concerns. And again, these tools might look slightly different depending on the population we're applying the, tech, uh, the technique to. And then within that, the evidence-based approach is making sure that what we're putting out into the world and what we're uh, administering to people is doing what we aimed it to do. So we want to make sure that the tools are in fact improving body image as well as maybe uh, related attitudes and behaviours. Um, so the team has developed as, yeah, there's been years of research conducted both in understanding body image but also developing interventions that improve people's uh, body image and their overall well-being. And these techniques uh, can both be school-based, community-based techniques, so uh, body image workshops. We've developed a number of online uh, strategies. Uh, I myself work with uh, the Dove team and so we partner with Dove in developing a number of school-based and community-based interventions, so going into schools and teaching uh, young people media literacy skills uh, specifically. So teaching them to be uh, critical consumers of the type of content that con they're consuming and really evaluating what it is that the media is trying to sell us and, and how the media can, uh, I guess, impact uh, our well-being and our body image um, so yeah that we do a lot of a good work and i would always encourage uh, people to go and check out we have a car podcast which discusses uh, the many topics that relate to body image it's it's quite a broad topic uh, just the umbrella term but there are so many avenues of research that we examine and and for me sports and body image is is one of those that I am particularly passionate about and even within that topic there's so many areas of research uh, that we like to cover well, thank you both so much for joining us today. Um, thanks to our, our sponsors, CSM Live, and um, a lot of what we talked about and, and Carr's work um, influences and is featured in the uh, Reframing Sport for Teenage Girls report we released last year. So I would really recommend everyone takes a look at that. And it really focuses on that, that transition 
um, from primary school to secondary school and, and how that really impacts girls and their participation in the sport and all the environment and everything that Emily spoke about. And we've got lots of uh, webinars and resources going up online. So do check those out on our research and advice page, as well as um, getting in touch via support at womeninsport.org. Thanks to both of you uh, for sharing your stories and, and your insight. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy being a part of it. Thank you so much. And thank you, it was a great experience.